Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. It's time for another Patreon-suggested episode, but this is really a topic that we should have done years ago, so I'm glad we're finally getting around to it. So much of the music on this playlist we have featured before and we've gushed over before, but it's going to be fun to look at it through a different context. This is going to be a career spotlight episode on the wonderful composer Yasunori Mitsuda. And this topic comes to us from our patron, Isaac. So thank you, Isaac, for your support and for this idea. This is going to be so fun listening to music from the first title that Mitsuda worked on way back in the day, all the way to one of the most recent things he's worked on. And kind of see maybe how his career has changed, how his music has changed over the years, and maybe what has stayed consistent. Um, it's going to be really a really fun episode. It's kind of a smattering of Mitsuda music. You know, there's quite a few titles Uh, that we couldn't even include because he's composed for so many games. Right. But we tried to include as many as possible, and for the most part, just one track from each title to kind of give you uh, kind of a broad smattering of his career. Well, and I think it's important to note that a lot of times when we do career spotlights, you know, we we focus on composers that we clearly love, um, but maybe there'll be six games that we're playing from, and so we can do a few from each game. And sometimes, you know, composers haven't done that many games, but what Mm -hmm. we really want to reflect on today's episode because you know we've done a xeno gears episode we've done a chrono trigger episode we've done a chrono cross episode it's really important to show really how long lasting mitsuda-san's career has been and i think when i think about him as a composer it's almost the way that i think about like the beatles where Mm, you think about what they accomplished in their 20s you know back in the 1960s and that that's really like the epitome of their careers and for me personally uh, Chrono Trigger, which is the game that probably is where most people know uh, Mitsuda's name from, I think is still his best work, even though it was on yeah. the Super Nintendo and it's I agree. old. It's like, I, I think that is the soundtrack that pushed him to grow into the composer he is today. And there's yeah. just a level of inspiration and brilliance, frankly, to all that music that it's just it again it's like the beatles albums versus their solo careers later i totally know what you mean and you mentioned it pushed him we'll talk a little bit more of the specifics of that but yes it absolutely pushed him in more ways than one uh just a couple things uh, interesting to note about his biography he did get the job at square when he was 20 years old 20 years old he got that job First two years working at Square, even though his official title was composer, he didn't get to do any composition work. He was relegated to sound effects and sound design, and he was very frustrated, actually. He worked on some big games, including Final Fantasy V and Secret of Mana, games uh, where he did sound effects. Uh, He actually threatened to quit (laughs) to the vice president of Square in 1994 when he was 22. He threatened to quit if he couldn't uh, do composing. And he was like, all right, well, here, you're going to take the lead on Chrono Trigger. And and the rest is history. Uh, So, yeah, let's dive into this amazing music. What you guys heard playing in was the second game that Mitsuda composed for Square. That was Front Mission Gun Hazard. That was Trial Zone. Nice way to start things off. Let's go back to the first game that he worked on uh, as a composer. This is, of course, Chrono Trigger. He started it in 94 when he was about 22 years old. Uh, Game came out a year later. And man, did he push himself hard on this soundtrack. This is the only game today where we're going to play two tracks. Um, 
it's I think both Will and myself we think it's his his still his crowning achievement for video games and it was just impossible to to not play at least two so let's do that maybe kind of the two hit singles in my mind of Chrono Trigger let's start things off with Secret of the Forest composed by Yasunori Mitsuda pretty wild starting <laughs> the playlist with this music huh. uh this is secret of the forest obviously from chrono trigger composed by yasunori mitsuda and he pushed himself so hard on the soundtrack he actually developed stomach ulcers because he worked so hard he frequently would work all day and all night until he literally passed out and he would wake up in the morning apparently with more ideas and so uh, he actually had to be hospitalized, and that's when Uematsu took over and composed just a small amount of tracks to to finish out the soundtrack. So pretty insane. Wow. It's funny. It, it very much reminds me of the story of George Lucas working on the original yeah, Star Wars. for sure. It was something that there were so many obstacles. No one believed in him when he was doing it, and he mm-hmm. actually uh, suffered some like similar medical problems while he was working on it, running back and forth you know, from this soundstage to... To shoot this and then going over to ILM and to like personally direct the special effects shots and it was just crazy and mm-hmm. I think uh, I, there, there's a lot that's been said that maybe over romanticizes like an artist toiling away mm-hmm. over a piece of work um, but I think in this case you can't deny that uh, Mitsuda-san really poured every bit 
of his blood, sweat, and tears into this music. And yeah. even though that's you know that's not something I would because I love the music. I don't want that for him. I'm glad yeah. that hopefully his experiences uh, <laughs> after Chrono Trigger weren't like that. Um, I'm so grateful that this piece of art exists. There is something to be said about music that's created when you're younger and you have a lot to prove. There's right. an energy and this tenacity that can't hold you down. And I think we definitely experience that in Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I think that you can definitely hear uh, the music that possibly has influenced him. But there's also this sense of he's almost... Honestly, I think Chrono Trigger elevates what video game music can and would continue to be. Mm-hmm. Harmonically, his daring and just the sheer beauty. I mean, he he shows us that he is an impeccable melody writer. Uh, his, his taste for the arranging of the Super Nintendo instruments, his sensitivity to mood and all this eclectic mix of instrumentation is so brilliant uh but i think beyond all that it's like that there's something really unique i think there, there aren't a lot of instances of um Japanese video game composers putting such a distinct personal and individual touch and kind of like sense yeah. of identity to the music. We think of that more as maybe like a Western or American quality of like individualism and my voice or whatever. Well, I think one reason why Mitsuda did that is he was a different generation. He was a lot younger. He was hired by Uematsu. He actually interviewed with Uematsu. So a lot younger than a lot of the contemporaries at the time. And so I think he did bring that sense of individual. I mean, what t- what Japanese composer of the time would threaten to quit? That that just really seems like maybe a generational difference. Um, right. But let's move on to one more piece of music from Chrono Trigger. This is Corridors of Time. You know, it was so delightful to go through all of his music 
and to try to think about the through line. And I will say that the one through line that I hope we all hear today is that Yasunori Mitsuda's music is, above all, beautiful. I mean, he goes mm-hmm. in a lot of different directions, h e s composed for a lot of different games and series, and we're going to hear a lot of diversity. But one thing that just comes back time and time again, especially in his melodies, very beautiful and emotional melodies. I think we're going to hear that all throughout today. This is quarters of time. Another element that I want to call out about Mitsuda's music is it has this,、uh, I guess, classical or jazz fusion level of sophistication to、mm-hmm. not just the, the harmonies and melodies, but I'd say in a broader sense, the emotional palette. Of the music, but it also is assembled in a way that reminds me of a lot of like electronic or minimalist music. Both Secret of the Forest and Corridors of Time have this element of you could say like an ostinato or repeated musical figure that's woven through the whole composition. Yeah. Yet, I think a lot of times when I think of ostinato based composition, or you know, you get this a lot of groove based music, electronic music, or even like minimalist classical music, harmonically, it's so based. Um, it's, it's really about、mm-hmm. these primary colors, so to speak. But in something like Corridors of Time, you get this really lush and beautiful, evocative melody and harmony that floats right along with. And that ostinato is not a simple note. It's kind of、mm-hmm. this spidery, spindly little phrase that it's just everything is so thoughtfully composed. Well, one thing I think is so, so great is I, I was reading some different interviews about Chrono Trigger, and it seems like Mitsuda san. Was very aware of the choices he was making. He, he wanted to make the score different than other Square games that have come before. I mean, he, I think he worded it as moving away from the semi orchestral style. And so he was conscious to use more of a jazz and folk and fusion influence. He actually said that that was one of the reasons he thinks it was so popular with fans, is because it was you know, coming from this, this different style.、Um, right. yeah, and he, I think he, he considers the game to be.、Um, I think he worded it his landmark title and something that really matured him. Matured him. I, and I, I, there's something I so love about that because I, I could imagine for someone that young of wanting to prove themselves, of almost, I could imagine like, oh, I want to go bigger and broader、yeah. and I want to do the biggest orchestral sound and I want to sound like a serious composer.、Mm-hmm. But I think the artistic sensitivity that he had in Chrono Trigger. The,、uh, the final impact is you feel all the grandeur of the orchestra. You feel all the、yeah. sophistication of whatever we might associate like a classical quote unquote sound, yet it goes in all these other directions. And the sensitivity to instrument choice and these bizarre and unique timbre pairings、um, give it a, a really distinct feel to the world. And it makes it、yeah. feel almost like when you listen to, like,、uh, um, I don't know, in, in the Star Wars universe, whenever they They have music. They always try to combine odd synthesizers with acoustic elements. It, and feels, it feels otherworldly. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives it its own world. In Chrono Trigger, he just knocked it out of the park. I mean, such wonderful choices all over the place. And it's pretty insane to start our episode off with, with those two. I mean, both of those are definitely top video game tracks of all time. Quarters of Time, at least top 20. Secret of the Forest, maybe even top 10 of all time. Just、right. heavy hitting video game music.、Um, let's move on. Uh, to the next game,、uh, other than Front Mission, which we played in with, that was what came next chronologically. After that, it was a game, Radical Dreamers,、uh, which is kind of a precursor to Chrono Cross.、Um, this is a beautiful piece of music called The Girl Who Stole the Star. Love this piece so much, composed by Mitsuda. 
so beautiful. You guys are listening to The Girl Who Stole the Star, which was kind of a side story to Chrono Trigger. Eventually, it served as inspiration to Chrono Cross. And this was interesting. This was released for the um, only in Japan in 1996 for the Saddle of View. I'm not sure how you'd pronounce that. It's an It was an add-on, I think a short-lived add-on for the Super super famicom um and yeah i think i remember hearing in our chrono cross episodes i remember i remember hearing redone versions of of some of these tunes uh for the ps1 but this is so beautiful the style of this music kind of this really beautiful folk pop ballad uh it is something that we still hear him do to this day i mean even in in like some of the most recent games he's worked on in the past couple years he kind of goes back to the style. This is almost kind of the classic Mitsuda sound. Yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, when we compare this to maybe some of the things we heard in uh, Chrono Trigger, this sound is definitely more reminiscent of things that we may have heard before in Japanese yeah, film music I think or you're right. anime or other video games. This sort of palette of a, a really reverberant piano with some delay and then just kind of lush long tone string harmony that evokes some of these jazzy intervals like ninths and major and minor sevenths and everything Uh, that sort of palette is a big part of when i think of video game music and when i think of sort of the 16-bit era that mitsuda got his start in but i think is so amazing is looking at the context between these two games you almost forget that that's not necessarily the language that he pioneered in chrono trigger yet he is so aware of it and he's able to kind of deftly use those tools in his work as well absolutely man that is beautiful it is interesting to to hear how his style uh kind of subtly changed over the years um that is a really great piece of music kind of an underrated score there radical dreamers all right we are now going to move on to the ps1 which was the next system. He was still at Square. He actually did eventually leave Square right around this time and became a freelancer. And we're going to (laughs) hear what that led to in a little bit. But this was uh, while he was still at Square. This is Xenogears for the PS1. Uh, A wonderful score, very fun. And speaking of folk, this score has a lot of folk influence, kind of this folk pop uh, video game mixture that is so delightful. This is maybe the best track, maybe the most popular and beloved track in the game. It's My Village is Number One. So, so good. You guys are listening to My Village is Number One 
from Xenogears for the PS1, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. Uh, so this game came out in 1998, which was the year that he that he did leave the company and became a freelancer. Um, this is so much better <laughs> than so much PS1 music of this era, in my opinion. Uh, it just really has a lot of character personality. It feels like a natural progression from SNES Square music. It really does. It, and it's very it, innovative music, too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's just relying on, oh, we have better, more advanced instruments, and now we can coat everything in this really you know rich reverb right uh, it, i really feel like the the principles of this composition are written from the same spirit of what made a super nintendo track great uh, i agree there's some very interesting rhythmic and uh meter devices happening in this track overall it has that sort of six eight feel that we might associate with scottish music or irish music that kind of gaelic or celtic folk sound and, yeah jumping Yet, from five to six is such a tasty right really interesting feeling of, of chopping off lopping off a beat every few measures and it uh, he makes it, it feel natural though doesn't he right and it's it's dancey too by complementing it, it with is. some of the percussion and the swing it, it gives it that lopsided lilt which actually can be found in um, certain brands of European folk music you mm-hmm. find things in an odd meter you find things in seven or things in five even if just for a bar so especially that sort of B section where you have those kind of um, just held pedal, uh, it, it almost sounds like bagpipe type chords yeah. underneath. I wonder if he did uh, some research and some kind of listening and exposure to different types of folk music when composing this soundtrack, because what I love about it is, I definitely hear the Gaelic influence, but mm-hmm. I also feel like there's influence from maybe Spanish folk music and also music from like Hungary and other kind of, you know, some Eastern European flavors mixed in with all of that. Yeah, I, I do think Mitsuda has a love and a fondness for folk music, and you hear that, different kinds of folk music, you hear that in his, throughout his entire career. Uh, so Xenogears really feels like it's kind of him doing what he really enjoys. Now, this year he did leave Square 1998 to become a freelancer. A few years after this, he would go on to found his own music production studio called Procyon, um, and I believe he still has that to this day. One of the surprising titles that he worked on as a freelancer was Mario Party for the Nintendo 64. Not what anyone would have expected him to to move on to, but he scored Mario Party for the 64. Let's play a a track. You know, at first I was thinking of one of the more um, kind of cliche, you know, steel drum tropical tracks in in this, where he was kind of going for almost like an over-the-top Nintendo sound in in a similar way that Dave Wise would, or or Grant Kirkhope would go for that. Um, But I thought it'd be more interesting to play a track that feels more like his own voice, the classic Mitsuda sound, right. in the context of Mario Party. I thought that would be more interesting. So let's take a listen to a pretty piece called Rainbow Castle.
You guys are listening to Rainbow Castle from Mario Party, one of the pieces on today's playlist that we've never played on the show before. This is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. Yeah, I think most of the score um, has a sound that you would definitely expect, very familiar and welcoming, kind of taking maybe some of some of the Mario traits, but kind of elevating them and a little more cliche. Um, it's not, you know, through and through, it's not an amazing score. I don't think it needed to be. Uh, this is one of the surprising tracks where it's very pretty and, and kind of feels more in line with what you'd expect to hear from his music. I think what's very interesting about this title, if, we, if we're if we looking at uh, Yasunori Mitsuda's career as a whole, uh, first of all, I was so stunned to find out that he was the composer for this game years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, and I think it, it it's very impressive in the sense of seeing what a, a chameleon he could be. Um, and so as much yeah. as I appreciate that and it's fun tracking his trajectory, every composer has strengths. And there are some people where their strength is in flipping from one style to another and they can be such chameleons and they're in such service to the project. Mm-hmm. And I guess in my opinion, that is not what I love about Yasunori Mitsuda. What I love about Yasunori yeah, Mitsuda is his sound and his, his individual voice. voice. And I think he's best when he's able to lead the artistic charge. And I think what Mario Party shows is that though he's capable of writing a score where he's kind of chained into a certain style, I don't think he's able to fully love that style. And there is that sort of distance where he's like, well, I guess I have to do one of these because it's a Mario game in the way yeah, that I totally agree. there are some composers that are able to just fully embrace that and genuinely compose in that style with love. What I love to see, especially in recent years, is he's working on a lot of games collaboratively with other composers, and it seems like he's kind of brought in to just do his thing. It's like, all right, Mitsuda, thanks for being a part of this. Just do your thing. You'll compose these handful of tracks in your style, in your right. voice, the way that people want to hear. And, and I really love to hear that. Not to mention, not to say that he hasn't been challenged as well. Well, to me, it's similar to someone like David Wise. Not to say that David mm-hmm. isn't a musically diverse person, but what I want out of a David Wise is that kind of like acoustic, electronic, vibey, melodic, atmosphere sound that's very specific I mean those are a lot of adjectives that I just said Uh, but that's what I want from his music I don't want him to try to imitate something else that he isn't well, I think whether you're talking about Wise or Mitsuda, the reason we might want a specific thing is because it's rare to get that. You don't get that from anyone else, and right. so you just want more of it. Let's move on to Chrono Cross, a huge landmark title in his career. The sequel to Chrono Trigger was also inspired by Radical Dreamers. I, th- I would say that uh, Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, definitely the two most popular games uh, that Mitsuda-san has scored, the two most popular soundtracks probably still in his career. Uh, we're going to play the hit single from this score. If we can only play one, it's probably got to be Time's Scar. Let's take a listen.
you guys listening to Time's Scar, and it was really tough picking, for the most part, one track from each of these games to embody the game. It's hard to do that, and this isn't, you know, if ideally in an ideal world, maybe we'd have a two-hour podcast and we could play twice as many and play two to kind of show the different sides. Um, we also, lots of games we can't play from, you know, lots of titles we had to skip today, so keep that in mind. But overall, I think this is still going to function well as an overview of his career. Um, this is, I love the score so much because you can tell it's coming from the same person who composed Chrono Trigger in definitely Radical Dreamers. Seems like he's in some ways taking the cues of, of what he did in Radical Dreamers and expanding that. Um, some of the pieces allowed for recording with real instruments. A lot of them didn't. Um, and so, yeah, it, it really feels like a natural evolution. What I love about Time's Scar is that the whole opening section of it that's a little bit slower is in the um, comfortable palette of Chrono Trigger. The the way yeah, he composes sure. the arpeggios, the sound of the melody, even some of the auxiliary percussion, it really brings me back to that world. But mm-hmm. when we have that sort of shift to th- uh, this different kind of groove, a faster tempo, a more exciting, it almost has like a Central Asian quality, almost like yeah. you know traditional Indian music. Uh, it's just so gorgeous. Gorgeous, and it's such a, um, I don't want to say a departure from Chrono Trigger, but really an expansion of the authenticity of evoking mm-hmm. other styles and sounds, kind of uh, the sound of music from around the world all put together in yeah. this this sort of pot. Uh, and that's what I love about this piece, how it evolves. And it's a little bit deceptive. At first, it makes you feel like, oh, okay, we're getting that Chrono Trigger sound, but now with real instruments. But then what I love is he kind of turns it on a dime and expands the horizon it's almost like dorothy walking out and she's in gray and then the world becomes this technicolor wonderland like that that's the feeling that this piece of music gives me and i love when a piece of music can do that can kind of um, make the world go from 2D to 3D. Absolutely. And Chrono Cross was one of the first times I think people realized that one of Mitsuda-san's gifts um, as a composer is creating these tear-jerking, super emotional moments. And he would get to score these games that had those moments. When I think about Unsealable Jewel, you know, that that one of the main themes, that vocal theme from Chrono Cross, just how incredibly emotional and beautiful it is. He's very talented at, at making vocal music, and I think we're going to play Play one example of that today. Uh, kind of had to do that, um, but there's a lot of vocal music that we had to skip. Um, but yeah, he is kind of it seems like brought in for for that sense of uh, just hard hitting emotion and tear jerking moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to another slightly surprising game. Um, while he was a freelancer, this is back to the N64. This is Bomberman 64, the second attack. And what's interesting is this, as well as Mario Party, these are both developed by Hudson. And so apparently he had a pretty good relationship with Hudson at this time. And so he was one of several composers that worked on this game. I'll get the list pulled up after we play this. But this is a piece he composed called Ocean Planet Aquanet. We've played this before. I think it's a really cool track from Bomberman 64, the second attack.
What a cool piece of music. This is Ocean Planet Aquanet. Not what I think of for Bomberman music, and that's the case with the second attack. Uh, just a completely different sound for the series. Um, really more reminiscent of kind of like an RPG, really. This is really awesome. A lot of talented composers worked with him on this game that he would continue to work on for years and years, not necessarily with Hudson games. Um, all of the people that, would, uh, that are referred to as Ace Plus, which is this team of composers, including Kenji Hiramatsu, who I love and who he will continue to work with. They were all involved in the second attack. So all the composers we have here, Yasunori Mitsuda, Tomohiko Kira, Haidenobu Otsuki, Tomori Kudo, Hiroyu Yamanaka, Yashitaka Hirota, and Kenji Hiramatsu. So a lot of familiar names that he will continue to work with. You know, this track is very interesting because it's composed in not the Dorian or the Lydian or even the Mixolydian mode, uh, but an interesting mode called the Phrygian mode, which yeah. if you go to your piano keys could be found from playing uh, the notes E to E on all of the white keys. What's interesting about the Phrygian mode is it's a minor mode with a major chord, a half step yeah, above the Yeah, it starts with a half chord. step. That's, so if you think about an interesting you know, being in C, minor it would be that c minor against d flat but the mm -hmm. other thing that he exploits is a minor chord a whole step down so again if we're thinking in c minor let's say uh this progression involves you know a, a c minor tonic chord a d flat major chord for instance i don't actually know what key this is but then also like uh you think of like a b flat minor chord and it's these really surprising chromatic turns because um we don't really hear a lot of music nowadays that utilizes is the Phrygian mode. It's definitely less common in video game music and film yeah. music, but it definitely has like a, a folk quality. A lot of gamelan music and a lot of uh, kind of Polynesian music uh, uses derivatives of scales that have like a quasi Phrygian yeah. sound to it. So it, he's definitely, what's cool about this is this is Bomberman, but it's so clearly Yasunori Mitsuda. The, yeah, I the, know, right? the kind of folk music elements, the kind of curvy melody. What's interesting da, da, is da, da, this da, 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 score da. overall doesn't sound anything like Bomberman. You can tell it was a going in a different direction. Right. But even this particular track really does stand out as being kind of his his style. The fun thing is, if I heard this not knowing the composer, I would think Yasunori Mitsuda because there are right. certain melodic traces like ba, 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 da, da, that mm -hmm. just really sounds like him. Ba, da, 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 you know. So now we're going to move on to a new generation. We're skipping a couple games, but only two years here going to. 2001 for the PS2. This is a game I hadn't really heard of before, and I don't know the best way to pronounce it. Um, L-E-G-A-I-A. -A, uh, Lagaya 2? Lagaya 2, maybe? Dual Saga. Uh, let's take a listen to a beautiful piece of music called Maya. And again, I feel like at this point it's pretty clear. This is the classic Mitsuda sound. This is a piano ballad, very emotional, very beautiful. Um, and it does kind of feel like he's becoming very comfortable and confident with what, what he's bringing to video game music here. Let's take a listen to Maya. Thank you. 
This was such a treat for me. I had never heard anything uh, in this game or score, and so this, you know, hearing new, to, at least to me, uh, new Mitsuda music that is very reminiscent of his early work was absolutely delightful. This is Maya from, I'm, I'm calling it Lagaya 2, Dual Saga for the PS2. So beautiful. I think one thing that Mitsuda does a lot in his... Uh, music is he'll establish a fairly familiar sound with this piano ballad, something we've heard before, but a lot of times he will land on chords that are surprising and wondrous, and almost feels like you're opening up to a vast landscape, and right. one of the ways he does that is kind of on a surprising minor nine chord. Yes. He, he does that a lot, and landing on the nine is a way to accentuate that. Right. It's interesting. This is something Marty and I were actually just talking about recently, but there's a certain kind of effect when you're in a minor key or a minor mode and you want to get that surprising brightening effect, that that striking color. It actually doesn't come from a striking major chord. It comes from a striking minor chord. For instance, let's pretend we're in the key of C minor. If Mm -hmm. I were to play in A minor 9, that would be an incredibly brightening sound but if you mm-hmm. think about it relatively it's the same kind of sparkle that you get from like that second chord in Stevie Wonder's Sir Duke which is in major where you go from B major to F minor 7 it's well, relative it's actually, the same kind of sparkly brightening sound what's what's so interesting is if you actually dissect those notes there's a re, there's one of many reasons why it's, it has a brightening effect is because there is an E natural, which if you're right. in C minor, you're hearing a major the, quality. Yes, you're, it's, yeah, that's totally true. You're, you're raising the third scale degree. And that right. third scale degree is probably what our ear is most sensitive to in terms of contextualizing the mood. It's why kind of blues music can be so fascinating because oftentimes we get yeah. this cross relationship <laughs> where like uh, we'll be hearing, you know, a C7 chord with an E in it yet the melody is singing an E flat or just even in blues music in general you go from you know C7 to F7 and the the natural 7th of F has an E flat in it um, and that E flat contrasts with the E natural and so, so that, that kind of flirting with um, a natural 3 or a flat 3 is really important to characterizing the overall mood and a sound and I think a lot yeah. of Japanese video game composers really like to explore that kind of brightening sound and that kind of expansion and um, I, I, I think it's really fascinating kind of a subject to explore. My, one of my favorite examples is in Fire Emblem awakening that yeah. what if i'm not worthy of her ideals the hiroki morishida that kind of surprising i'll just say this right now so morishida there's no doubt morishida had to have been influenced by mitsuda's music absolutely uh we're going to move on to the next year this is a game called zeno saga which started a new sub-series in the in the meta series of zeno uh the zeno saga series uh this is zeno saga episode one the full title for some reason has a German title. I don't know why. Um, Zenosaga Episode 1, Der Ville zur Macht is the title. And one of the cool things about this score is, I don't know if the whole thing, but at least part of it, was actually uh, performed and recorded by the London Philharmonic Orchestra. And so this is one of the times in Mitsuda's career when he had the, the, the really fortunate opportunity to have an orchestra play his music in, in an era when that wasn't always the norm, too. So let's take a listen to Will, would you would you pronounce this Gnosis? Yeah. G-N-O-S-I-S. Gnosis from Zenosaga Episode 1. 
Mitsuda-san showing off his chops in a little bit of a different way than we've heard so far on the episode. This is Gnosis from Xenosaga Episode 1 for the PS2, performed by the London Philharmonic, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. This is amazing. This is gorgeous orchestral music, and I would describe it as highly literate orchestral music. It feels like there was a lot of influence from 20th century composers like Gustav Holst and the planets and things like Stravinsky's Firebird or even bits that kind of remind me of like the Rite of Spring. But in general, it has a a decidedly kind of filmic and cinematic approach. Well... There's something that I want to quickly mention is that Mitsuda was was highly educated. He went to a music college. He took piano lessons starting at age five. Most of his life was surrounded by music. He actually had an internship in college with the Wolf team studying under Motoi Sakuraba, which later he would actually get to collaborate and work with as a peer. Uh, and so that's kind of a cool thing to note. That is really cool. There's so many touches in this piece harmonically that are, are very rich. It kind of reminds me of elements from the planets. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that piece, Holst's The Planet Suite, is very influential to the sound of a lot of film composers like John Williams and Bernard Herrmann and mm-hmm. uh, countless others. Um, but some of these kind of chord constructions, the um, juxtaposing of like tritone relationships and some of the striking dissonances, uh, but the orchestra here I really marveled at there's some lovely moments where like the horns are doubling kind of the violas in this harmonic passage and it's really rugged and rough and then you have these interesting this moment that definitely felt like the planets that it was kind of Star Warsy you know where trumpets and high violins are kind of together doing these planing chords it's really evocative and one of my favorite moments actually was then when everything cut back and you have this kind of poor I don't even know what it was, if it was a synth or if it was like a vocal choir doing these kind of falling, uh, almost atonal, like, oh, yeah, sounds is really frightening. But again, just there's so much imagery that this conjures up and it just it shows like what the potential of video game music with an orchestra can really be and uh, it definitely excites me to possibilities because I do think there are a lot of composers that write for video games and they use an orchestra in a very restrained minimal I don't want to say conservative way I don't think that's the right way to describe Mm -hmm. it but almost a way that's like too influenced from like contemporary film music and it's not yeah. taking advantage of all of the color of the orchestra the way this is and what kind of imagery and moods that's able to capture I think that's just so exciting absolutely well we're going to move on to a game called Shadow Hearts 2 Covenant also for the PS2 and this is a collaboration between Masuda um, Yoshitaki Hirota who he worked on on the Bomberman game and actually worked on at Square back in the day Hirota used to be a sound effects programmer and so he did sound effects on Chrono Trigger and so I'm sure they worked in the same office together uh, as well as Kenji Ito who is another Square guy who's known for the Mana and the Saga series so they worked on this together let's take a listen to to me a classic Mitsuda track it's kind of surprising um, kind of a quirky set of different folk influences in here but it's really pretty Let's take a listen to Town of Twilight.
so beautiful. You guys are listening to Town of Twilight from Shadow Hearts 2 Covenant. This track is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. Kind of, in some ways, uh, really getting into a very busy and prolific part of his career from this year, which is 2004 at this point. There was not a single year that went by that he didn't have at least one game released, uh, many times multiple games in in single year, every single year, even until 2019. So he's a busy guy, getting a lot of work, and there's a reason. Man, this is great. There's something so striking about this that I think is very indicative of uh, Mitsuda's sort of style, that half-step rub in the case of the first mm. chord, which is an interesting inversion of a G major 7 chord with a B in the bass, and this arpeggio that goes boom, but in a very low register. Um, and so it, it's kind of interesting because even though it's a major 7 chord, it's really accenting that half-step between the major 7 yeah, for sure. and the root. And he then it switches that. to like this E minor uh, 9 chord where, again, you get the same half-step F-sharp to G, but now it's the ninth against the minor 3rd. Um, and it also, like, hearing that evoked out of, without a lot of rich harmonic context, it just has this really striking, tenuous quality to it that I think is incredibly effective. And it, what's interesting is, like, this is a track that instrumentally is very different than anything we've heard. But compositionally, the way he writes those arpeggios, the way he tends to voice chords and phrase melodies, um, it's, it's very much in his style, but it's just a different set of instrumental clothes i guess for sure yeah so beautiful we're going to move on to really another classic mitsuda piece i believe another piano ballad uh, and he's just so at home here i don't think he composed a lot of tracks for this game but this was one that it almost i almost get the sense it was like all right mitsuda we need we need this kind of a sound and can you just do your thing here this is a ds game kind of moving into uh the ds era he worked on a few ds games around this time this is a game called luminous arc and he worked on this with Akiri Kaida, who was known as one of the composers that worked on Rockman and Forte, actually. I love her. As well as Kazumi Mitome and Shota Kageyama. Let's take a listen to Prelude from Luminous Arc. to say that uh, Yasunori Mitsuda is so gifted at crafting music, melodies, chords that is beautiful and powerful and emotional with just the right amount of surprise. It's it's not formulaic, it's not by the books. 
it's comfortable, but it's just very interesting to listen to. Absolutely. Uh, this track does something very interesting. Again, I'm going to uh, talk in C. I, I actually don't know what key this, this track is, but I think C is in probably an easy key for <laughs> anyone who has piano facility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. We were talking about uh, that track that was like in uh, C Phrygian, so it was like C minor against B flat minor. And we were talking about if you're in C minor, having that A minor 7 is that surprising brightening because the A flat goes to A natural and the E flat goes to E natural. Well, this track does sort of an opposite. It's the it's a sound we've heard before, but the striking chord in this one in C major is that A flat sound, the flat 6. Right. But when you think about it, it's the exact inverse of what we heard in in C minor because we go from this A minor chord to this A flat major chord. It's a darkening, but it's darkening oh, with a sure. major chord in the same way that the A minor was brightening with a minor chord. I think it's important to think about That's harmony in this way that uh, colors that give us maybe a dark feeling emotionally or a light feeling emotionally, it doesn't always just come from, you know, minor is sad and major is happy. It's the relationship, it's so much isn't it? more complex than that. And yeah, and I think getting those things where when we go to a darkening minor moment, that might be something that sounds cliche or wrong, and we go to a brightening major moment, that might sound cliche. It might be useful for some occasions, but when you have that complexity, when you have a darkness with a brightness or a, a brightness with a darkness, there, there's something very striking about that and I think that's what gives a lot of Mitsuda's music real harmonic and emotional depth. Yeah and then also again with this track and it is a, it's a technique that's used in a lot of other pieces too not just Mitsuda pieces but again moving to that that minor nine chord and having the melody flirt around that and kind of hold on that right. minor nine is a really powerful technique that he loves to use. Let's move on to a Wii game skipping a couple years probably skipping a couple games as well this is arc rise fantasia which came out for the wii this was another title that i had never heard of actually and so i wasn't familiar with this music but it was a great score uh he also worked on this collaboratively let's take a listen to one of his pieces snow falling on apollos Very, very beautiful. Um, you know, he's composing music that's so beautiful that you totally forgive the Wii era virtual instruments here because you just can't 
not love and smile at this music. I would love to hear this orchestrated with a real orchestra, but it's so beautiful. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of the Dragon Quest series for whatever reason. Totally. Um, but I think this is a really great piece of music, and it's an underrated score. I, again, listening to all of it, and I was very grateful that most of his... Uh, career with video game music, there's pretty good crediting uh, for his collaborative scores. I was worried about that diving into this, but very good crediting, and so I'm able to know which tracks he composed, and it's so fascinating. More often than not, you'll hear a soundtrack that is diverse in all the ways you would expect for most of the times an RPG game, Um, but the tracks, even if I didn't know they were Mitsuda, the tracks that come up that are especially emotional, sweet, earnest, beautiful... Those are almost always Mitsuda. There's so many little harmonic delights in this track. First of all, that opening progression that we hear again in the loop, uh, which essentially outlines kind of like we're in the key of D, and then we hear this striking E major chord, which makes us think, you know, oh, a Lydian yeah. or a secondary dominant. But then it goes to G minor, um, which is mm-hmm. like the minor four. That's and so again, gorgeous. all over D. I love it's that moment. such a gorgeous progression. It, it's, it's the same one that... Um, you might know that track in Sim City, the like bad ending thing. I love that progression because again, it's like going from the brightest of bright to the darkest of dark. You know, we're going from Just, you the know, Lydian <laughs> mode to like the parallel minor. It's such a well. It's another great sound. example of Mitsuda's music where he injects just enough surprise, um, like literally the minimum yeah. amount that you, that you need to right. in order to make it interesting. Well, and I also love when the flute melody comes in the harmony becomes much more um i don't want to say like pedestrian but it has more mm, of like a pop yeah. sound to it it's, oh it's, yeah it turns in a very different way but then we get this amazing moment where we resolve to a tonic d major chord but it's over a c natural in the bass mm. which isn't in d and it has this really interesting kind of slash chord spacious sound there's all these little touches that he puts in that i think makes the music so cyclical you want to yeah. keep listening because you never have a moment where you could just kind of stop the track and eject there's always something interesting happening when the melody (laughs) is taking the focus the harmony isn't getting in the way but when the melody stops then the harmony sort of takes over always something going on to listen to and we'll mention a little bit about pop and we're now going to move on to a great example that shows his pop influence you can hear that in a lot of his music especially in recent years kind of this uh, this wonderful mixture of pop and folk and i'm sure j-pop as well and jazz Um, a lot of different things coming together this is xenoblade chronicles and what's interesting about this game is this game was a collaborative soundtrack it came out for the wii and most of this was not composed by mitsuda it was it was mostly that ace plus that wonderful team as well as minami kyota and yoko shimomura um yasunori mitsuda only composed the ending theme and as you would guess and as we've kind of mentioned one of the most emotional moments in the whole score. He was brought in for that. It's a vocal theme, uh, and I'm pretty sure he was also involved in the recording of this. He did, in recent years, he does a lot of producing and kind of help with recording and other aspects of creating music. And so I think he was involved um, in, in other ways in this score. Let's take a listen to Beyond the Sky, which is ending from Xenoblade Chronicles, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda.
had to play one vocal piece by Mitsuda today. It wouldn't have been right to not do that. Typically, vocal VGM is a frustrating genre for me. Um, I think this is very pretty, and I think this works very well as an ending theme. This is performed, uh, the vocal, by Sarah Lim, and there may be an English and Japanese version of this. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I think this is actually really sweet and it really makes me happy knowing that Mitsuda, this is his only contribution to the score. Um, you, again, you can kind of tell he's really pouring a lot into this. Um, and, and his goal with this is to make this as emotional and beautiful as he possibly can. The other thing I think it's really important, uh, hearing a piece of music like this in the context of today's episode, I think there's a lot of... Um there's kind of a sentiment against pop music that some of it is warranted, but some of it I think is kind of um, unfounded and pretentious. Mm. Uh, people assume that because something's popular that it's less sophisticated right. uh, or takes less craft to make. And look, there might be some cases where that's true, but popularity is not a metric of musical quality. And it's definitely not an inverse metric. If anything, maybe it's the opposite. But what I love about a track like this is just before this, we were celebrating his harmonic richness, his ability to use surprising borrowed chords for sparkle. But yet he also has the restraint to use every single chord in this track is completely diatonic. But he As still be, managed right? to get sensitivity out of how he voices the chords. Having the ninth in this one, having the sixth in this one, having the kind of, you know, eleventh against the third mm-hmm. rub. These little subtleties that feel very authentic to sort of very a pop authentic, sound. Very tasteful. It, it, the, the chord language here is similar to something like, you know, the Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. And I think that's the mood that this is trying to capture. Well, what's kind of funny is a lot of times when I listen to these JRPG vocal themes even if it's in like the mid 2000s it feels like they're lost in like the mid 90s or something yeah. <laughs> like it's some they're always like a decade Definitely. behind taste wise but it's it's a pretty piece of music but i also think part of that is because maybe in american music now we're not willing to indulge in that kind of sentiment anymore Absolutely a track not. like my heart will go on would not be written in a film now no. and so i do think it's like the japanese composers almost they don't they don't have the same level of insecurity that everything needs to be cool and totally relevant and hip. It's just a different it's taste. Like you can kind of indulge in a sweet moment, and it's mm-hmm. the kind of thing you you're, you want to make someone cry, right? You're not going to do that by like. I mean, being that close that really chest. seems to be the goal for a lot of uh, you know these JRPG ballads is to indulge in that moment in these tearjerker tracks. I mean that that happens so much, and Mitsuda is so talented at that. Let's move on to. 
Uh, a really pivotal score in some ways um, for Mitsuda. Now, this was a collaborative score, and he did not do very much. He did a lot of help. He helped a lot with, I think, the recording and the arrangement of this score, but only a few actual compositions. This is one of them. But what's really cool about it is that he got to work with uh, <laughs> Matoi Sakuraba, who years earlier he interned at Wolf Team uh, when uh, he was in college, Mitsuda. And so this has had to have been a really cool experience. Let's take a listen to one of the Mitsuda compositions from Kid Icarus Uprising for the 3DS. This is Boss Battle 1. guys listening to boss battle one from kid icarus uprising which came out for the 3ds originally in 2012 we had to skip over quite a few titles to get to this um all the composers that worked on this game were motoi sakuraba yuzo koshiro masafumi takada noriyuki iwadare takahiro nishi and yasunori mitsuda like i said he did a lot of great arrangements and in collaboration with the other um, fine musicians, but yeah, this this is probably his best compositional uh, contribution. It's such a good track. Yeah, I love this boss battle theme. I know it's just a boss theme, but honestly, this could be the main theme of Kid Icarus Uprising for me. Yeah, it's so it's heroic, but yeah, so da, da, exciting, da, da, rousing. Da, 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 well, he, and, and one thing. And, and guys, there's a lot of aspects that we couldn't explore today. His boss music is so cool. The Chrono Trigger boss music. I mean, a lot of his RPG boss music. So, I mean, he, he's really talented at these kind of climactic, epic boss themes. Right. And they're very interesting to listen to. And to anyone who uh, has played some of the Smash Brothers games uh, since Kid Icarus Uprising has come out, this theme yeah. definitely gets a lot of play uh, For sure. there. That's kind of probably where I'm most familiar with it. Well, um, let's. Uh, speaking this. of climactic epic music, let's move on to something that I think challenged him quite a bit. This is a different, different sound. This is Soul Sacrifice. Um, let's take a listen to a piece of music uh, featuring a real orchestra. This is the Will to Power from Soul Sacrifice, composed by Mitsuda.
You guys are listening to The Will to Power from the Vita game Soul Sacrifice, which is a collaboration um, between Yasunori Mitsuda as well as Wataru Hokayama. And this was actually recorded in California at Skywalker Sound, featuring their orchestra and mixed there as well. So that was another really cool opportunity for Mitsuda. And you can tell that he, again, was really pushing himself here to, to kind of go for... Um, a little bit more of an authentic modern AAA score. Not something I would expect from Mitsuda, but I think he really enjoyed this challenge. Absolutely. It's a gorgeous piece of music. It starts off, again, using the Phrygian mode, where we have minor tonic chord, you know, major flat two, minor tonic chord, minor flat seven kind of chord, but eventually it, it modulates all over the place and it, it gets to sort of like this E flat minor. Then against kind of that sort of um, John Williamsy minor chord third relation thing that we think about like the Darth Vader theme or uh, any of that you know that when we hear those um, non-functional minor chords uh, outside of the key you think of like either the Darth Vader theme or even like the theme of the arc in Raiders na, 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 where you can have a melody that's chromatic but it's harmonized entirely with minor chords it's a sound that. Uh, we you even get in a lot of like horror horror films like there's yeah. a really beautiful theme um to this film drag me to hell uh mm. that has kind of a similar sound i mean we even get it in like uh some of the bioshock music the gary Shyman for sure theme mm-hmm. you know um welcome to rapture uses you know that. this had to have been such a fun and exciting experience for mitsuda you know to to come to california and get to record this at a legendary studio with you know a pretty legendary orchestra skywalker symphony orchestra and chorus was uh, featured on this whole score um, and I'm sure he was involved in the mixing phase too. You know, he, like I said, has his own music production studio. And, and I think he has a lot of skills in d- different areas in music. And so I'm sure that this was an, just like, you know, a, a kid in, kid in a candy store. Yeah. And I mean, uh, just the, the orchestration and arranging, um, like we've said before, is so strong. Uh, and it's interesting to hear how versatile he is. I mean, going back to that first game, Chrono sure. Trigger, that he wanted to bring it away from an orchestral sound. But, you <laughs> yeah. know, some of his best work in his career has been with this orchestral music. Uh, I mean, I was just, you know, particularly blown away by that uh, Xeno Saga Gnosis mm-hmm. track was just so amazing to me. Really, really good. Let's move back Uh, We're going to skip quite a few titles. I mean, he was so busy at this time. This is 2015. Back to, uh, not back, I guess for the first time today, to the 3DS, a game called Stella Glow, which is a collaboration between Shunsuke Tsuchiya and Yasunori Mitsuda. And I love this score. This has been kind of a staple. Uh, Featured quite a few of these tunes on the podcast, uh, whether it's Mercado Radios or Show and Tells. I really like this track a lot. It's very beautiful and It makes me smile because it feels like a classic Mitsuda track, a combination of a lot of his different um, influences and genres here. This is Port Noir Battle from Stella Glow.
I love this so much. You guys are listening to Port Noir Battle, and this is this is really cool. I mean, at least in the playlist, it feels like we've had some departures, and so it's really fun to feel like we're coming home with Mitsuda. Classic video game music. Uh, it's quirky. It's energetic. It's beautiful. You say coming home. This track feels like classic video game music, but it doesn't sound like anything from his early era of video game music. This sounds like Yuzo Koshiro. Yeah, I guess from what the I, 90s. That's true. Uh, but what I what I was talking about is the really quirky combination of different styles and instruments, sure. and it, it, just, it does feel like classic video game music. This track is crazy because I would never in a million years guess this is Yasunori Mitsuda. Melodically, <laughs> it's so different. I mean, everything about it is so different from him like a lot of his melodies tend to kind of like float around you know the ninth and they tend to have these certain kind of emotional affects this melody is so interesting because it's like accentuating all of the um the surprising harmonic tone so instance like if you know you have a major three chord or if you have uh any kind of thing like that where Mm -hmm. um there's like a surprising chromatic touch the melody seems to accent it when you have the natural six to the flat six the melody accents it the melody is kind of like driving all those touches and that's a certain kind of sound that i can't think of any other example where I've noticed that in Mitsuda's work, normally his melodies kind of like float atop the harmony. So it's really cool. Well, I know what you're saying, and I think definitely in the context of this playlist, I think that's true. I do think there's plenty of other examples in his career where he's he's done this. I mean, this is kind of a battle track. And like I said before, when Mitsuda is, is composing battle music, he definitely is in a different headspace. Um, and I think one of the downsides of this episode is that this is just a taste. And, you know, a lot of this, I'm going for like, what's the best track in this game? And a lot of those happen to be... A, a similar type of song whereas if you actually dove into the entire score of a lot of these games you would probably hear moments like that um, but I do know what you mean it definitely it didn't scream Mitsuda I just feel like me. if you compared this to the Kid Icarus uh, battle theme it's so oh, fundamentally yeah. different yeah that's this true sounds like a lot of music from Kid Icarus this to mm-hmm. me if I had to guess this would be like Matoi Sakuraba or maybe Yuzo Koshiro or Yoko Shimomura like it like mm-hmm. Mitsuda I see is almost like a David Wise type composer where it's like when he's doing his thing he doesn't sound like anybody but himself right but there are those instances you know where you'll get like a Mario Party you know or a Bomberman yeah. I mean in the Bomberman one he he does sound like himself but there are those rare occasions where he like and this is the point I think I was trying to make a while ago where it's like I've noticed there's sort of a trend in some like uh, classic VGM composers that have been around for decades where mm-hmm. in their more recent work they're they're like not doing their thing they're doing like the sound of <laughs> game music and I don't know, I know what you a, mean that might be a mandate from on high of like oh we want this to sound retro sometimes that kind can of be blows my mind hearing someone who's yeah who's like as artistic and rich as Mitsuda kind of like impersonating an older VGM sound it's very interesting very interesting um, so we're skipping a title that we are going to play out with so stick around for that it's called Valkyria Revolution stick around for that uh, we also had to unfortunately skip a series he was um very prolific in it was a sports like a soccer series called uh inazuma 11 so we're not playing stuff from that let's move on instead to xenoblade chronicles 2 uh, a wonderful score very very beautiful score uh this came out for the switch in 2017 and again um he 
composed some great music for this, but it was a, a collaboration with uh, Ace as well as uh, Yasunori Mitsuda. And this is a great example of the type of music he was asked to compose for this game. Let's take a listen to Where We Used to Be. You guys are listening to Where We Used To Be from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and it's a melody that uh, is heard uh, in a few different ways in the score. I believe one of the pieces of music that uses the same melody is Elysium in the Blue Sky, if I'm not mistaken. This is composed by Yasunori Mitsuda, and I will say that um, I really enjoyed his contributions to the score. I still think my favorite um, pieces from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 are probably composed by Kenji Hiramatsu. I've said that before. He, he really brought it in the score. But yeah, um, this is definitely more reminiscent of music we've heard earlier in Mitsuda's career. And definitely uh, Joe Hisaishi. I mean, this has oh, a yeah. kind of Studio Ghibli feel it to does. it. And again, it's interesting. He uh, Mitsuda is a composer who I definitely would say has surprising mel- melodic and harmonic color to his music. Yet mm-hmm. this is a track where the chromaticism has that sort of functional jazz harmony sound that I associate with someone like Joe Hisaishi, where there's that yeah. even when it's jazzy and rich, there's like this almost classically minded functional reason for every chord right um and this track has that sort of sound and i mean even the phrasing on the piano the voicings of the chords some of the melodies it it definitely reminds me a lot of that but you know i mean he's an influence on a lot of video game composers and i i think uh mitsuda-san is is no exception but it's a gorgeous track and i mean again i just love seeing how versatile he is that he could make sort of a pop song like in beyond the sky and then he could do that amazing kid icarus boss battle and that (laughs) soul sacrifice which is like modal and gigantic and evil and sounds classical and then that stella glow track that's just kind of like it sounds like ease music or something <laughs> you know i mean he can do yeah. so much uh he, he really, really is is versatile well this is a great way to end our episode we're going to play one of the most recent things he's worked on and this is an expansion a dlc to final fantasy xv 15 this is called final fantasy 15 episode ignis and this is the theme of episode ignis composed by yasunori mitsuda and if we had a part two to this episode uh, i'm sure in a few years we'd be able to <laughs> 
already have a great playlist. He's already working on some more games. Let's take a listen to this beautiful piece of music. beautiful what a fitting way to close our episode this has been such a treat to research and explore his career and you know force ourselves to listen to a lot of this music and then today to go on this journey context uh, is so different and we've listened to a lot of these tracks before but hearing them back to back you know although it was a, a pretty fast smattering of his career um, kind of fast forwarding through the years it was so interesting to kind of see the through line to me the through line with Misuda's music is his sense of emotion and beauty particularly in his melodies right um, it's something that we heard in Chrono Trigger and it's something that I hear in this episode Ignis and so it's really beautiful to see how far he's come and I am so grateful as a fan of his music that he's still so active in video game music absolutely yeah he, he's a very interesting composer because he's clearly very literate and very aware of trends in classical music in jazz music in fusion in game music film music mm-hmm. all of it uh he has kind of cer- there are certain sounds that i associate with him that i definitely kind of like yearn for more like i'd love yeah. for there to be another chrono game for him to score <laughs> and to kind of immerse himself in that musical language once it's about again. time um, and I do feel like he's someone who, again, he's this workhorse. It, it's like the opposite of Koji Kondo. Like Koji Kondo comes out from his, you know, hibernation once every <laughs> few years and just drops like a freaking killer track. Yeah. That's like the most melodic and awesome thing. But then you get on the other end, you have somebody like Yasunori Mitsuda, who's like working so hard and doing all these yeah. things that I feel Toiling like away. he, um, as much as I love that, like I, I kind of would like him to be held on this pedestal of like how, how what a strong um melodic composer he is and kind of what are yeah, the I agree. what are the elements of his style that we want to hear from him and it seems like there was an interesting period in time when that's what was happening for him where it's like he was brought in to do his thing but i think he's just such a useful player that it's kind of like yeah. whatever he can do you know whatever you need he can do it um and hmm. that's it's just really 
inspiring. I mean, he, he clearly seems like such a hard worker. I mean, going from that story of Chrono Trigger of how hard he pushed himself, just <laughs> yeah. looking at he continued how prolific he is. And yeah, how... I think Uematsu said on the second game he worked on Front Mission, he did the same thing. He was like working way too hard and, you know, uh, at the expense of his physical health. And so hopefully he's developed some better work habits from then. Um, but yeah, what a wonderful composer. Such a treat to see this evolution. Someone who's still active. We're going to play you guys out with a wonderful track from Valkyria Valkyria Revolution. It's called Enlivened City, and it's a very wondrous and pretty piece of music, uh, a nice way to, to send you on your way. This was so much fun. Did you have a good time, Will? I had a wonderful time. I loved listening to this music, and there were so many little subtle nuances that uh, just as a composer, something that I could appreciate or be like, oh, I see what he's doing mm-hmm. there. Gosh, that's so interesting. And something that I love looking at the career of a composer is finding little hidden similarities between their yeah. works. And there's certain it's a melodic lot of characteristics of Mitsuda that um, it's very fun to sort of um, highlight. Yeah, and Hidden Gems, one of the best ways that we've found Hidden Gems over the years is to go through the the career of a great composer and to find maybe lesser known games because there's a good chance there's going to be amazing music hidden in there. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, We want to thank our patron Isaac for this idea and for uh, all of our patron support. Uh, Thanks to everyone for leaving nice comments and emails. We do read all of our emails. We try to get back to as many as we can. Thanks for everyone for supporting subscribing and leaving reviews on iTunes. That always really helps. If you want an invite to our Discord, let us know. That's growing all the time, and we have a great time with that community. I think that's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. (laughs) 